You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. Today, Father Paul concludes his discussion of the Oaks, emphasizing the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. To finish with the Oaks, later to show the power of God in the latter part of the prophets, namely Ezekiel and Isaiah, we have a reference to the garden, to Eden, with a lot of trees there. Actually, we have this already in Genesis 2, where life is given again by God. So bringing all these things together, one can hear very clearly, according to me, but people make fun of me when I say obviously and clearly, where is it, Father Paul? Well, look, I've jumped all over the Bible in 20 minutes, and it's very hard to bring everything together. It's just because I have the texts on my mind and actually before me now, because I had to prepare this podcast. But all of us would have to make the effort always ask, why is it so? Why do we have an oak there? Why do we have oaks where Mamre is mentioned as being near Hebron and the Kiryat Ha'arba? Notice in the Hebrew, Kiryat Ha'arba, of the four, with a definite article and thus four corners and universality. So between, according to me, the oak and Shechem, and Hebron, within the story of Abraham, we have this entire message of scripture where the people ultimately betray God. Notice Abraham already, we're going to get back to that next time, you know, where his first step is to be hungry and to go down to Egypt. I mean, God told him, I took you from Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm pointing to you the place where you will have to settle. The first step was Haran, and the second step was Canaan. Just sit there. And you all know that the one that follows in his footsteps is Jacob, not Isaac, by the way. That's why we'll get to that. Isaac is important, is unique. He is called the unique son, one of his kind. But again, his name is tricky because it means he laughs that God uses Isaac to make fun of both Abraham and Jacob. That's why Paul ultimately in Galatians says, we or you, depending on the manuscripts, are children, but we are children of the heavenly above. Remember that text of Galatians 4. I mean, Paul is amazing. He read scripture and he rendered it in six chapters of Galatians. 
technically, if you read Galatians, obviously in the light of the rest of the scripture, you are definitely super impressed. I mean, you have Genesis 1 through 4, you have Genesis 1 through 11, and I must add, you have Galatians 1 through 6. It's just six chapters. He says it all. And at that point, he says, we or you are children, kata Isaac, according to Isaac, Allah Isaac. Very powerful. So that would be, in a short version, I know I spoke a lot, but still it is a short version. I have a lot of other texts here. I may use them when one of you asks me a question, should you decide to do that? But I hope I was able to bring things together and show how very often, actually most of the time, you begin with a word, it is connected to another word, like the oak of Mori and then Shechem and so on, and then you start moving and you see the interconnection. That if you choose an oak to be the place that reminds you of life and you build an altar there, as Abram will do, and settle and think that this is the source of your life, that oak will be destroyed and made into a stump. And just to remind you that God is controlled. That's the interesting thing about the stump becoming a seed and construction from the rubble, the dry bones, they become again a human being to show you that God can do that and he is the master. But if I may call it the price you have to pay is to realize that you're not special because Hebron is the city of brotherhood. And I would like to sum up this by pointing to the fact that at the end of Judges, twice we are told of the allocation of the inheritance of Caleb the dog, the outsider, who was the companion of Joshua. And Joshua had to bless him because Caleb followed the teaching of Moses. Twice we are told in chapter 14, I believe, where Hebron, the city of Abraham, was allocated to the outsider, Caleb. And that seals in the mind of a hearer non-impacted by later theology, you know, just by the text. That actually, the story of Judges with Caleb and Joshua, remember actually, Caleb and Joshua appear together in the wilderness, in Exodus, together. We have already prequel or a pointer to what we hear at the end of Isaiah.
where in the new city, in the new garden, in the new Eden, in the new Zion, however you want to hear it, you have the remnant of Israel plus the nations we have already in chapter 42, then 49, the messenger is to both, and then in chapter 66, as I mentioned before in other podcasts, that we have suddenly a list of names that we hear of only in Genesis 10, all the nations that come together, and from among the nations we have even priests and Levites. There is absolutely no differentiation. So it's really very rich material, and perhaps now and then when we find something in the text, we zero in to take this opportunity to pressure the hearers. That's my hope in life, that they would keep listening in the car. I know many already are listening to my podcast, but I really, what will bring me joy is that they would alternate between the podcast and just listening to scripture. Even in the non-accurate English, it doesn't matter. At one point, one will hear the connections, and if one cannot figure them out because one does not know the original, but that one will have the good, precise questions to someone who knows Hebrew so that that one would be open to capture the larger and hopefully the total picture. Okay, whether I succeeded or not, again, does not matter. Because the real Hebron and Zion are not yet. They are ahead of us. So we have to move, hoping that we can get there, actually, we shall be invited there by God. Notice Hebron is the place of entombment. In other words, you don't choose. I know people do that, you know. You choose your lot to be buried. But that's tricky because you never know. Something may happen in the meantime. <laughs> there would be an earthquake or lots of rain, or the deluge, and so on, and then you die, and suddenly you are not in the place of your choice. Anyway, it's nice to end on a note of an ominous joke, and this is what scripture ultimately is. Yitzhak, an ominous joke. Well, here it is, my friends. People in the Bible move from one place to another. It's easy for us to imagine that they're just moving across a map from this place to that place, but the way that the Bible calls the places and describes the places tells us a bigger story of what's happening. And one thing with Haran, I realized that Har means heat, and he moves from the heat, hot place to the plain, the fertile area of Canaan. Can you elaborate on what might be going on there? It's a good point because I can comment on that, that this place of no heat at the beginning very clearly is Shechem. 
So you, the hearer, think, ah, that's it. That's the spot. But you have to continue reading that it is not Shechem by the oak of Moreh, but it is actually Hebron or Hebron later. So I am following your lead to show you that it's more than a path. It's a trek because it's difficult. Notice how in my commentary on Ezekiel, I speak about the trek of the use of Bikaa. Right? It's five times. You have to find it and see what the author is doing with it. And the same thing with the spirit. So it's a path, a trek. One has to wait. Like what you said is correct, but it is not just to use this famous statement where you take an oath in the court of law to say the truth, nothing but the truth. But remember my classes, what I stress the most is the whole truth. Because you can say the truth and nothing but the truth, but not say it all. And I like this, and it helps me because, well, it's used in the United States, and I taught for over 40 years in the United States, you know. I had to bring in examples, and that applies totally. The one has to wait that ultimately God will accomplish his plan, not by bringing the people to the land of the promise, but by bringing them ultimately together with the nations after the people have committed the sin of disobedience in the land of the promise and they were kicked out by God himself to be, notice the play, again that's another word, to be scattered among the nations. That's very powerful for me. It's not they are only in one place. So that when God, that's my metaphor, will throw his net to bring them, you know how it is, Jesus says, you throw your net and you have different fish and then you decide to take these and throw back the others. Fishermen do that. So by throwing the net, again as a metaphor, to get the scattered people, remember that, very important. It is reflected even in the story of the dry bones of Ezekiel. When you bring them in the net, you have the totality of Israel and the nations, and as I said in my commentary or the intro to John, we have the number of fish used in 21 reflective of this reality. So, I'm agreeing totally with that, so long as one does not stop at one point. And here I would like to take the opportunity to repeat something which perhaps I'm the only one on this 
planet that does it seriously and all the time. If there are others, trust me, I won't be offended. I will be happy. Namely, you have a movement from the first part of scripture, the Torah, the Pentateuch, to the prophets, to the Ketubim. And here I point out what I said at the beginning. Suddenly we have the mention of Shechem that appears mainly in the Pentateuch and then in the prior prophets. But then you have one verse. It doesn't matter. It's not a matter of quantity. In Hosea 6, and then more importantly for me, suddenly you have its mention as a bad place. Together, very interestingly, with Mount Seir, this is where God issued his Torah. So the Torah, remember, the gospel is the Torah, which is news. There is no good news or bad news. The bad and the good depends on you. And that is very powerful. Mount Seir, the Philistines and the foolish people that dwell in Shechem. It's amazing. So that would be my reaction to your point in view of saying the truth, nothing but the truth, but then the whole truth. It sounds difficult, obviously, and I think God on purpose made his law so long so that he would teach you patience. And patience is ultimately what is going to save us, according to Romans. God was patient with Israel. And Paul reminds the nations, don't be cocky because you're going to fall. And were it not for God's patience, you will not be part of this olive tree. Impressive. That's all I can say. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.